This is episode number 240 of the Rising Man podcast with James Silvis. The more I've studied the mind, the more I've come to appreciate the body. Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me again today. My name is Jetty Azuma here, and I'm hosting the Rising Man podcast with another amazing guest. Before I introduce him, we are halfway full already, fellas, for Compass October 2023. There are only five seats left, so if you want to come join us for a four-day solo wilderness rite of passage fast, now is the time. If it's the right time for you, then go ahead and apply, risingman.org slash compass. All right, my guest for today is James Silvis, coming back for a second round after a few years away. James is a mindset specialist and peak performance coach. He's the founder of Be That 1% and the Be That 1% podcast, which has reached over 70 countries and continues to grow. His passion to serve, combined with his obsession to understand the mind, helps others develop the right mindset to live life on their terms. In this episode, James shared how the more mind-focused he's become, the more he's come to appreciate the body. We discussed the deeper levels of mind-body relationship, power of presence and how we can achieve greater levels of it, the interplay of leadership and communication, how to communicate to breakthrough from breakdown, and lastly, how we can all come to appreciate and learn what is being said by the body beneath our words. Without further ado, James Silvis. All righty, rising man fam. I got my man, James Silvis, coming in live from Las Vegas, making a return to the show after what, two and a half, three years, something like that, my man? Yeah, man. Been in the thick and glad to be back. Yeah. Two and a half years, let's call it. And one new baby later. Um, Let me ask you this question, man. How did life change for you when number two came? Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, because my second is almost six months now. The first child is hard because it's a lifestyle change, you know, so you're baby proofing the house, you're getting all of the, you know, the, the strollers, the, you know, all the things that you're going to need for, for baby and everything's new. So a sneeze happens. You're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I take him to the doctor, like <laughs> all this new stuff. Right. And then the second is a time management shift. It's even more about communication. It's more about boundaries. It's more about asking for help. It's more about uh, okay, we, I have to get X number of things done today and everything just takes longer now. So who do I need to get involved? What do I need to ask for? How can I set myself up for success to, to make sure that my days are maximized both with playing with the kids and being there for them. And then also taking care of my responsibilities as a father, as a businessman and continuing to further the mission. So the second one has really been challenging the time aspect of things and and what I allocate my time towards. So it's helped me in a lot of ways say no and yes to certain things. Um, but that's still a daily challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know we're, we're about the same age. I wonder, have you reached that point where you realize that you don't have an infinite capacity anymore and your time is limited? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Wow. And I, I joke, I joke in saying that, but I really thought that I could take on more and more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden there was just a ceiling to that. And I remember that there was a moment I realized I have to start saying no to some things. And there's going to be certain things that I just either don't get to do, or I don't get to invest as much time in as I would like to. Obviously having yes. children was part of that, but whether you have children or not, at some point, our dance card fills up. And I think that's a hard, I, I don't know, I think that's a part of maturing and getting older, but I know it was a hard thing for me to reconcile because I didn't want to sacrifice anything. 
I didn't want to give right. some things up. Well, especially for you and, and I'd say for myself too, we love the work that we do, mm. you know? So it's, it's easy to just be in a lot of things. Right. And then, for, but over the last two and a half years, three years, since my firstborn, this kind of saying, or this uh, phrase of more is not always better has been really deepening its roots inside of, of me. And, and, you know, I, I've met, I've tried to create a lifestyle around that, you know, where simple is better or do simple better and coordinate all the responsibilities I have at a, at a level that is challenging, but not like over aggressive, you know, where I was younger, it's like, how much can I do? How much more can I get? How, you know, who, how many clients can I have? Right. And then to your point now it's like, well, not only can I not, it's not sustainable, but that has a sacrifice and that sacrifice is not being with the family. And I need to ask myself the question, am I okay with that? And at this current stage and probably for the rest of their life, no, because these years go fast, as you know, and my, my wife is so great at reminding me of this, but it's like, like you only get these moments now, right? So make sure you work and, and adjust accordingly. And so that's where the communication comes in with me and my yeah. wife anyway. Totally. Well, and I think the most important thing is trying to extract the should out of that. I, I know for myself, part of my journey was listening for where the should is around how much time I should spend with my family, how much time I mm -hmm. should want to spend with my family, how much time I should spend on my business, should want to spend on my business. And even um, this this belief that I had that there was a right way or a, a, a one yeah. way that somebody could tell me about how to design my life. Uh, it's I, I remember having that experience when I was 25 years old, realizing, oh, I am actually responsible for the decisions I have to make in my life. Like, oh, no one's gonna do that for me. Oh, okay, I really need to take responsibility for myself. And 10 years later, there's a whole nother level of, oh, I really need to design my life the way I want it to be. Otherwise it's going to be the way someone else wants it to be or how someone That's else right. thinks it should be. Yeah. And when you're a business owner too, it's like every, so you're, for me, it's like a business owner, a, a, a parent, um, a spouse, a, like all these roles that I play, like, yeah, how am I showing up to all those? And how do I want all those to be? So it's really intentionally creating your life the way that you want it so that you wake up and you're like, I don't dread anything. Everything is there because I want it to be there. And that's a very freeing thing. And um, it definitely alleviates a lot of unnecessary stress, you know? So uh, that's how I choose to live. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into it a little bit. Cause I know you said you're open to talking about the relationship. Um, your wife's name is Amanda, I believe. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. So shout out to Amanda being able to deal with a guy like you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, but you know, just looking at how have you guys managed to navigate taking on a second child and all mm -hmm. of the different things you said, cause I, it's not just snapping your fingers and all of a sudden you find the formula that works. It's like no. trying to hit a moving target while riding a horse is what I found. So it's messy. <laughs> what's it look like for you guys? Yeah. Uh, so when you, <laughs> after having two, one baby's so easy, you know, like when, when you have a babysitter for one and then like we have one together, it's like, oh my gosh, like well, I could do this with my eyes closed. No problem. Uh, but these, the communication aspect is, is in, so what, what has worked for us is consistent date nights and not letting things fester when we are feeling some heavy thing, you know, uh, an example, 
the other day for Easter, you know, uh, my wife did an incredible job of making sure that the kid, when the kids woke up, they had Easter baskets and we hid eggs around the house and she coordinated, you know, family coming over and us going somewhere. And it was, it was really amazing. And she loves doing that stuff and, and she's going to continue to do it because it just comes from her heart. And I made the mistake of not noticing all of the things that she did and, mm-hmm. and all the time that she had put into that. And I didn't say thank you to that. I didn't honor her for her time commitment there. And, and she wasn't doing it to want a thank you from me. She's going to do it regardless. But she, she also wanted to bring to my awareness that I didn't say thank you and that normally I do notice those types of things. This is also around the time where in my business, it was, it was a lot of travel, a lot of moving parts. And, you know, she didn't wait very long to tell me that she told me that the night of, as soon as the, the kids went down to sleep and she's like, Hey, you know, I'm not trying to tell you, you need to do these types of things, but I just want you to be aware that this is how I felt. And it would have been really awesome and nice if, if you saw that and commented on that. And I was like, wow thank you. Thank you. I feel bad (laughs) that I didn't see that because, you know, I, my, one of my things is like to be present and to notice and to be and observe. And even I get swept up in the day to day and, and craziness that happens, but to have a partner like that, that isn't judging me or like making me feel like I'm a bad father, but also like guiding me to say, this is the type of conversations and communication I want to have in a relationship that we both agreed upon. And this is me holding you accountable to that level of authenticity and expression. And there's been times where I've done the same for her, you know? So that's one aspect It's like not waiting long before vocalizing things. And that's already operating under a pre existing like set of values and our values are all centered around growth and love. And so I know that everything my wife says, regardless of how thorny it might be when it comes out or how loud or soft it is, I know that at underneath that is a love and, and, a, and a desire to want to strengthen our relationship, which helps me, even if I don't want to hear it, accept it, or at least have the willingness to listen, to understand it and, and vice versa. So that's, that's worked really well for us. So I'd say it's like consistency with date nights, having solo time together, and then not waiting too long before expressing what's going on. Yeah. Oh, I love hearing that, man. And what I have come to appreciate knowing lots of men further along than I am is that that's, <laughs> it's easy to, to take that for granted. And we've, we've been in relationship for over 10 years now. I know you have as well. And yeah. there's these, there's these peaks and valleys and there's these moments for in our relationship where sometimes we're, we're riding high and we're really in rhythm with that communication. And all of a sudden a new variable comes into the mix. And since there's always something changing, what I've realized is that we, we know where we get hung up at this, when you've been in relationship with somebody for this long, you, we know where the booby traps are, (laughs) you know, when we start, when we stop doing is prioritizing date nights when we're not making time to sit down and connect intentionally about all kinds of things, not just person to person, but also around our finances and talking about our plans for the summer. When certain things like that aren't, are deprioritized because other things got in the mix is when we start to get a little bit rocky. Then we got to circle back and, and find ourselves, find each other again. And the, uh, the ability that what we've noticed is there's this 
uh, strength that we've cultivated over time, um, having taken turns being the one to go first, because we don't always catch it at exactly the same time. I'm sure right. you can relate to uh, trusting that the other person might be the one to call us back or vice versa, and that we can do that and pull ourselves back into the room, back into the space together. Um, right now, just, just today, we were having one of those conversations like, what happened? It's been like two, two, two months and all of a sudden there's all these things that unfolded and boom, here we are again and starting yes. to unpack it and return back to good communication. We, we also realized that the foundation of love and respect and trust that we've developed over the years, there's moments where we, we've really leaned on that so that she could really focus on relaunching her business a year ago so that I could really lean into building out my team and expanding rising men. And, um, the, the trap there is to not lean on that for too long and to let that go untended. Mm -hmm. And mm. so I wonder if, if you guys notice similar trends and waves when you're in the ocean of, of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're, when you're with someone for that long, you, you build an awareness and you notice cues on when you know you're off, right? It's, it's the, the heavy silence or it's the, uh, the not so warm, um, walk by, or it's, you know, you're, I'm not like grabbing her butt while she's cooking, you know, like th those types of things. I'm like, man, I haven't, I haven't like done that in a while. And then when I trace that back, it's like, we haven't talked about deep, deeper things in a, in a while because of the kids and all the other responsibilities that we tend to put first. And so it is a reprioritization or an acknowledgement of like, Hey, this is off balance and, and we need to get back into the flow. Right. And, and she's really good at that. And I'm, I'm, I'd like to say I'm good at that as well and can always get better, but yeah, relying on both individuals who have cultivated that awareness to act on it when it's there is is the key. You know, it's like the same thing in business. It's like with the leader who only has four conversations with a team member a year. It's like, <laughs> how much are you going to know about that person? Not right. much. Four times? Like that needs to be a consistent, regular feedback session. What are you going through? What are they going through? What needs to change? What things need to shift? Because everyone's going to drift but few people shift back or shift to what's needed. And um, that's essential for communication or any strong connection that you have in your life. And if you do that right, you'll be able to navigate some of the heaviest times and some of the most challenging circumstances. Mm. Let's dig into that a little bit more because I, I know that you've been doing a lot more work with teams and consulting in that space. You just alluded to how some people in leadership positions don't, they, they, when you really boil it down, they're not actually speaking to the people on their team. It's like playing basketball blindfolded, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really hard to do. So right. what I'm interested to hear what, what you've noticed, um, leaders in, in all different types of capacities in, in the past couple of years, when it comes to communication, what are the things that people usually take for granted? What do they take for granted? Um, that their, their team's going to be with them for as long as they think they will be. There's like, just because they said yes to being on the team, that means they're going to stay on the team. No. Uh, another belief or assumption or, um, is 
that they're going to care as much as they do mm. about the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Good one. <laughs> Huge. And that causes a lot of conflict and judgment and uh, <sighs> conflict. Um, those two come to my mind right off the bat. And I would say some, some fears of just vocalizing what they're seeing and, and assuming that what the other person that, that what their experience, the leader is experiencing that the other person is going to take personal or offensive. And so nothing is said. Mm -hmm. And, and then that just blows up. It's ironic because I think. I think what you just said, I, I've noticed myself in some of the consulting I've been doing and the work I've been doing with teams, almost exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also see it, we could substitute out teams and coworkers and put in <laughs> husband and wife. And it's a lot of the 100%. same breakdowns, right? It's so, human. And so why, why does that pattern of a breakdown seem to happen across different domains of our lives? Well, the only common denominator is a human being. Mm-hmm. And, and human beings are pattern machines and they're habitualized and there's social conditioning and, uh, and there's social norms that unfortunately don't support safe environments where people can talk about hard things or intimate things or things that help transform both the space and the people within the space. And it takes a very intentional leader with a lot of courage, curiosity, a willingness to co-create and have compassion for the people who are on the team or that they're leading. And when those qualities are embodied, the, the space that gets produced is an environment that one, people want to stay in, but two, they're willing to lean into and find new versions of themselves or share things that they may never have that bring about new information that lead to innovation, creativity, uh, love, connection, trust, loyalty, all these characteristics that we all as human beings say we want, but either aren't willing to put the work in, don't feel comfortable to do so, or haven't been taught the skills necessary to show up and do those things. And so that's where it kind of falls on the leader to, to equip themselves of that first, whether that's in a family or a business, and then make it okay for fumbling to happen in order for those pillars to be built and then the castle to be built on top of. Mm. Yeah, man, I, I'll, I'll take that a step further because what I'm hearing is that there's a, there's a lower value we've placed on the longevity of connection. I, I think about the stores that were in my small town of Woodridge, New Jersey, when I was growing up and some of the people who inherited that store from their parents, mm. maybe their father owned the store, and then they inherited it. And just growing up my whole life, you see the same person in there every day and the same person working at the front desk every day. And I remember when I first started to go out and get jobs in the workforce, like 10, no, not even, let's see, like 15, 20 years ago, the, the culture was, it was a red flag if you were in and out of jobs every two to three years. And mm. nowadays, especially in fast-paced world, tech world. It's that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. If you've, if you've held the job down at the same place for three years, that's like, that's tenure, you know, that people have been there for <laughs> holding that seat for a while. And so just kind of zooming in and out of these different domains of the human experience, I think that overall we've put less value on being in something 
in a relationship, in a dynamic for a sustained period of time. I think about the endurance of relationship and partnership that we kind of started off with in the beginning there, even that's an anomaly, you know, to hear that folks that are in their early to mid thirties, like you and I, to be in 10, 12, 13 year relationships is highly unusual these days. And I would say it's even trending to be shorter and shorter in the generations that are coming after us. Yeah. What's interesting when you say that, what pops up in my head is, is a couple of things. One is an interview that I heard Oprah and Michelle Obama, that they were, Oprah was interviewing Michelle Obama and they were, they were talking about their uh, marriage. And I think it, they had been together now for 30 plus years. And Oprah was ta- asked her about like, do you ever have any dark times of your marriage? And she's like, oh yeah, we had a decade mm. where we just like, we're so distant, disconnected. We had the kids, like so many different responsibilities. This is even before they took office. And it was just, it was eye-opening to hear for the audience and also for myself as a viewer of just watching this on Netflix. I was like, if if someone is unhappy for six months <laughs> in any relationship or anything, you know, it's like, I shouldn't be in that thing. And, and I don't, I don't know if they're aware of, of all the other ripple effects that happen because of that one decision to leave something when it gets uncomfortable, but in a marriage, if that marriage is built on strong values that both parties align and you look at just a relationship of 30 years, like you're bound to have dark times, as you talked about the ups and the downs of the relationship and, and the commitment to that, even through those times is is rare and but like it there's a a stigma that i shouldn't experience those things or if i do there's something wrong yes and it's like the answer is not so cut and dry like no but there are lots of factors that need to be weighed one of one of the factors you mentioned earlier could be that there's just a disconnect or a, a forgetting of the priorities that once there's that's reestablished, it can bring someone out of a funk. Yes. But then there's also just the ebbs and flows of anything, like seasons of of the year. And people like don't some people don't like winter, but doesn't change that winter is coming, mm. you know? So you just anticipate it. You know, it's there. It lasts for anywhere from three to six months or well, maybe it last two to four months. And that's just part of it. And so when you look at that in like a job, I don't know if it's like entitlement or if it's just lack of clarity or if it's uh, our attention spans as human beings, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly distracted and, and very rarely are we committing ourselves to something fully so like, those are all elements that I think about as it pertains to a marriage, but also to like the longevity of an employee or a tenure of a leader at a company, like it's multifaceted mm. and the clearer you are on yourself and the more self-awareness you have around the decisions you make and why you make them. And if they're aligned with who you want to be and what impact you want to make, I think you're more willing to endure those hard times because you just know human nature and just know the cycle of living and you're willing to sit in it longer. And it's in the sitting in that, that you actually get more wisdom. Mm. You sharpen the skill like five X because anyone can win when things are good. Anyone Mm. can love their marriage when everything's right. 
It's what happens when it's not. You're still going to be there. Yeah, man. Let me ask you a question that just popped into my head. If you were, if you were hiring somebody for your team today and there yeah. was only one quality or characteristic you could guarantee that that person had, what would you say that that was? You could describe it any way you want, but what would it be? Like three immediately popped up. If I had well, to then let's one do of let's do three. three. Let's do three. <clears throat> okay. Uh, open like so. Uh, coachability. Mm. How open are you to receiving feedback and co-creating? Two is integrity. Do your words match your actions? If you say you're going to be here at this time, do you show up? If you say you're going to get the project done at this time, is it done? And the third is emotional regulation. So a form of consistency and demeanor. You know, I'm all for like, there's things that are going to test our emotions. We're going to have peaks. We're going to have valleys. Yes. But are you consistent in how you're showing up? Like, are you, are you naturally more optimistic or energized when I'm in, when I'm around you? Because what that's going to tell me is how well you're going to handle uncertainty and challenge. You don't fluctuate too much. You're able to stay calm or, or in control to, to some degree and, and think about things from many different vantage points, not from a fear-based emotional one that usually leads to worst case scenarios. Mm. So I'd say those three. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right alongside you, especially for the first two. And the third one, I think is actually the same. I would just describe it differently. I would want to mm. be able to look at somebody's, in fact, I would probably take their resume. I'd put it down and I'd say, okay, tell me about your life for the last 10 years. And I would be yeah. looking for somebody who's been through some really hard shit uh, because especially you make it to your mid twenties, early thirties. I think everyone has had some degree of challenging and difficult times. And then I want to hear about how did you navigate them? Cause I find that there's some people who made it through and they look up backwards from the other side and they see the blessing in it. They've, mm -hmm. they've excavated all of and mined all of the gold from those experiences. And there's other people who are still feeling kind of jaded by that. They're still upset. They're still angry or frustrated or some combination of that by the experience that they had or how things went. And to me, that's one of the biggest red flags is that there's somebody who still has not found a way to navigate the things that they've been through and, and see the blessing in it, or at least to be uh, yeah. the, the humility of hard times. To me, that's somebody who's ultimately only going to be able to make it about themselves. So I'm thinking of a yeah. team. And, and what I think is cool about this is we could be talking about in a professional setting or in an interpersonal setting, I think we're going to see those same dynamics show up in one form or another. So the, the regulation piece, I really like how you put it. Cause that just sounds a lot nicer, right? It's like <laughs> somebody <laughs> yeah. who can keep their feet grounded and their head centered when shit goes wrong. Like that's, yes. that's a high value, high quality person to have on your team. Absolutely. And it is trainable. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you train it is through what you're talking about, which is huge on reflection. How often are you revisiting the things that you've been through and extracting the wisdom, the strategies, the insights that bring another level of intentionality to your interactions and the impact that you make on other people? That way you're not just doing it off the whim and off the hip and it's not scalable or you can't add value wherever you go. You actually know what you're doing and you do it because you know it works, even when most people think it won't. Right. You know, that's where you really start living on your terms or you start navigating uncertainty way better than most people. Mm. 
Yeah, man. I really like that. Well, I think it's a great segue to start talking about where the body comes into play. So if anybody, (laughs) anybody who's been listening for long enough to remember your first visit here on the podcast, we talked a lot about the mind. That's where you've cut your teeth is in the mindset area. But you told me something before we started recording today that as time has gone on, you've had a greater and greater appreciation for where the body comes into this mind conversation. So, yeah. so let's go there, man. What is, what is your reference point or your understanding of the role the body plays in having that grounded mindset? Yes. Yes. And, and I think this is going to be a really cool dance between you and I, because I know you spend a lot of time here. So I'm also looking forward to hearing your insights as well. Um, so when I was in college, I studied under a professor by the name of Dr. Mark Wadignoli. He was a four-time world-renowned mental performance coach, and he was the uh, the creator of the Zappos culture. He had worked for Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes. I knew none of this when I was in his class, but you know, within the first couple classes, he shared a Latin term called "mensanos" and "corpum sano," and it's sound mind, sound body. And in that class. I took his class twice. So, because he taught two different versions of it, one elementary, one advanced. And it was in the first one where that, like the mind and the body are not two separate things, but they're connected. What it was a new thing for me. And I was like 21 years old, right? So I thought they were separate. But here, this guy, this man who clearly is well-versed is saying that they are connected. And, and so that was the beginning part of me recognizing that. Fast forward about eight years, I'm heavy into the mind, heavy into the psychology. And then I start doing breath work. And then I start doing a, a different form of communication where I'm just sharing what's coming, what my body is experiencing as someone is talking. Mm. So if you're saying something to me, rather than me trying to have to like say the right thing or get you to like me or whatever our desire is in a lot of the conversations that we have, it was more so about, man, when you said that, I have I have like a a, a pit in my stomach now. And I don't and maybe it's because when you said that, I thought of this, but it, with regardless of me trying to figure out I'm feeling that in my stomach, right? And so I, I just kept started communicating like this in many different aspects. And I, ne- I wouldn't vocalize it as much to everybody, but with select relationships, I did. And it was more so like, okay, so around, let's say money or around sex or around masculinity or around success, I'm having these different, and like, m- different body sensations and some are heavy, some are lighter. And what that gave me was a body awareness of like right and wrong or what I need to explore more of, or why is it I'm feeling like that? Because I don't want to feel like that around it. And so it prompted discovery, which was super helpful for me. And then breath kind of circled in and breath has helped me ground. It's helped me calm my mind. It's helped me stay present. It's helped me have better sex. It's helped me work out better. It's helped me just appreciate things more because it it slows me down. And it's something that we do every day, but how often are we thinking about it? Not much. And it isn't until you understand what oxygen does for your body and what a few deep breaths can actually do when you're in very triggering situations that I had a whole new appreciation for it. 
And then you add the science and I'm just like, okay, this needs to be a staple. So it was like body awareness with communication, breath. And then, and I'm very elementary in it, so I can't speak like credibly, but this is just through my personal experience, like yoga slash qigong slash just intentional movement and just allowing my body to do that you know whether it's on the beach one day or if it's in my bedroom or it's you know after a long flight just getting into the hotel room and just feeling where the tension is in my body and with the breath moving that or just feeling what am i what does my body need it feels tight let me close my eyes let me listen huge when talking about body, in my opinion, let me listen to what's going on and let me find stillness enough to see where I can pinpoint it, breathe into it. If anything comes up, great. If nothing comes up, okay. But at least I'm giving it attention and love, kind of like a a crying child that just wants to be held, right? Sometimes our bodies, in my opinion, are just like calling us to pay attention. And so the more I've done that, I've realized the stronger my mind has become. And then the more I grow mentally, I also can override my body in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm an extreme person sometimes. And so I'll do 78 miles in 24 hours randomly in Las Vegas and put my body through a whole bunch of pain. What conversation do I need to have? What do I need to dive into to override some of that pain to get to the finish line? And so it, it's just a, a whole spectrum of discovery, but you know that's what comes up when you ask that question. Yeah. Well, I love what you're saying, man. We definitely can go really deep on this one. What I started to think about was all the different ways that in just the past decade and you know maybe a, a lifetime generation, we've found ways to outsource communication. So in speaking about the mind and the body, I was just thinking about texts and how text messaging has evolved since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And now we have, you don't even respond to messages anymore. You just put an emoji in there. The the fact that we're trying to capture what I'm experiencing and how I want to communicate an emotion to you is finding the right icon to drop into Mm -hmm. a message that you're going to receive at a later time. It's just so incongruent with what our the, the technology of our biology allows for us to do, right? I, I was just thinking, uh, here's a good example. It's live for me. Um, found out a week ago that a dear brother of mine uh, passed away, far away in Australia, um, and didn't really know how to communicate with, with the people that I know who are close out there, who are keeping me informed. And you know, we were, I started by just text messaging because we're on different timelines, and my buddy just called me. And just the power of seeing somebody's eyes start to water and the emotion that gets communicated just by watching somebody start to to, to see emotion come over someone instead of depending on the written word. We're trying Mm -hmm. to even just trying to hear their voice through a phone without that extra space. There's there's so much that we've outsourced from ourselves that works just fine right here. And I think the practice we've gotten out of in learning how to communicate authentically from all of those layers. Right? I think that was one of your yeah. top three things was the ability to, to communicate openly. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. It's something that we have to learn how to do. And you also mentioned practices like yoga and Qigong, ha- having full availability and full agency of my body and what my body's telling me. I just see that there's so many people who have shut off what their body yeah. has been telling them and don't know how to turn it back on. 
don't know how to receive um, critique or feedback Mm -hmm. person to person, Mm -hmm. looking somebody in the eyes and feeling the discomfort in their body, not just to, you know, kind of white knuckle it and get through it, but to actually be able to receive it and then to respond this receive and response from our actual bodies instead of starting to do it through technology and soon, soon enough robotics, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a real problem. I think that's where a lot of younger folks than even us are, they're at a loss because they haven't put in these quality repetitions in that basic form of communication that comes from having a body. Yes. Yes. You've talked about this before and <clears throat> it's key, critical to building any high performing team or, or high performance level of conversation. And that's psychological safety. Do I feel safe? Right. For you mm-hmm. talked about many times, what, what role I've thought about this a lot. <clears throat> do you think physical strength or just the, the shape in which your body is in and the confidence you have in your ability to use it. And let's talk about in a protective sense. So like self-defense, let's say that someone is very equipped there. How strongly correlated or how correlated at all do you think that level of fitness is to communicating the way that you're talking about, the way that we're talking about, and also receiving feedback? I don't know if this is going to be the example you were expecting, but (laughs) <laughs> I, I, my, I have a, I have a son who's in first grade and he's at a public school. It's his first year in public school. And the first time that I walked into his school holding his hand, I could feel how nervous he was in his body. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, here I am, I'm a 35 year old man. I'm well aware of what he's experiencing. And I could imagine being in his shoes, but I wasn't nervous at all. In fact, I remember looking up and just seeing a whole bunch of humans that had no idea what they were doing. It was chaos, right? We're walking right. around the hallways, teachers everywhere. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm taller. So I physically am head and shoulders above most of the people, or at least on the eye level with most people there. Also, my perception of the environment in the room made me feel more safe because of my experience. So I would say uh, so much less of it was about my physical, my physicality. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I, you know, most people in there, I was in better shape than, and obviously I've been a martial artist for over 10 years. So there's, there's that that's operating in the background, but I could also remember sure. what it was like to be a first grader walking through those hallways and how overwhelming it was, how big yeah. it felt. And so there's, there's just the part of the, just the, the maturation of experience over time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being in a place that I'd been before. And I could feel my son going through that in that moment. Um, it wasn't so much because I, because I think about somebody maybe who wasn't as physically fit, but I, there's plenty of people who are extraordinarily confident and know exactly who they are, but maybe they have a physical mm-hmm. handicap or they have something mm-hmm. that makes them less physically able or capable sure. than other people, but extraordinarily confident. They walk into a room and command it. It's more of an energetic, mm-hmm. I think, than it is yeah. strictly a physical presence. Now, Anybody who's got a, you know, a strong physical command in the martial arts world, I think of these 80 year old senseis masters who they walk in, they're like five foot, nothing. And they don't even say a word and everybody knows you can't mess with that guy, (laughs) but it's like an energetic more than it is a physical. That's like a commitment to the, to the work, to the process and and the experience, right? It's like time and time again, I've been in this environment and this space and I've navigated it well. 
So I trust that I'll be able to do the same here. And maybe not even navigating it well, but that I've made it through. And then I can trust that, that I can yeah. hurl this body into challenging situations and make it out. Now, this same body that you see in front of you right now, you could throw me into some situations that I would be really afraid of. I mean, one that just popped into my mind as I said that was uh, less than two years ago, I, I went out and was bodyboarding in Santa Cruz with a couple of my buddies who were surfing. And I am not a water person, not a strong swimmer. And they took me out to this break that I'm like, what the hell are you guys taking me out here for? I was swimming on the treadmill, going against the rip current. I literally, I was like, I'm. I, this might be it. I might get sucked out to sea and this is over. And I felt totally scared, felt fear in my body, felt myself start to hyperventilate. So we all have those limitations. I think going back to what we were saying before about what, what m makes strong, reliable people is mm -hmm. how many difficult and challenging things have you been through? For you, mm -hmm. sometimes it's going out and putting 78 miles underneath your feet right? And just going mm -hmm. out and doing hard shit. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a physical challenge. Sometimes it's a mental challenge. Sometimes it's both. But those are the experiences that prepare us for whatever life is going to throw our way. And I think if there's a shortage yeah. of anything in the world, it's a shortage of willingly accepting those experiences in a yes. ceremonial or traditional choosing. way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Choosing like go run a marathon, right? Go enter some sort of competition that whether you win or lose, who cares? But the fact that you build a yeah. greater sense of resilience is so much more valuable than any of this like mind stuff that we're talking about. Right, right. And and the emotional side, it, say that thing that you've never wanted to say or that you're so afraid to say in that space, right? Like to your partner, to your your boss, to your colleague, to your friend. Like that's the equivalent of the physical side in the emotional space. Mm. And, and then that becomes an anchor point. And that anchor point reinforces the identity that you can handle hard things. And if you can handle hard things, you're more likely to do quote unquote risky things that lead to higher reward. That higher reward might be more money. It might be a deeper relationship. It might be a, a healthier body. It might be, you know, whatever. Whatever we do, there is a risk. There's a risk of not doing it. And there's a risk of doing it. But as long as it's alignment with your goals and your values and who you want to be, then, you know, it's going to require some courage and some work, but also a commitment to the to the practice, the mastery. And I think I think we need more people that think in mastery ways like a commitment to a long longevity a commitment to a think in decades yes. you know we're very quick and like i want it now stretch well, i want a timeline yeah. yeah that's that's been yeah. my motto lately is stretch the timeline how can i stretch the timeline even more yeah sure i get it i might get hit by a bus tomorrow same could happen for any of us but in the event that that doesn't happen and percentages are on my side then this could be a long game and I want to make the most of it and I don't want to flame out too soon. So absolutely greater commitment to mastery and less emphasis on, I mean, money, money's great. Nothing's wrong with wanting money, um, achievement, um, prestige, all that's great. But even just the value of being able to step into a room and feel more confident, even being able to step into an unknown situation or unknown circumstance and feel relaxed in my body, like, okay, well, I didn't see this coming. But all right, I still have my wits about me and I can navigate this. And wow, there's other people around who are losing their shit, but my feet are deeper right. into the sand than anybody else. And they're looking to me. I tell you what, man, that 
that that's one of the best feelings in the world. That's you know? right. And it can't be bought. No. Can't that's why it's so beautiful. Can't be bought. Can't be hacked. Can't shortcut your way to experience and mastery. And, and that's why as, as distorted as the world has become with the online space, the, you, you can't, the body doesn't lie, right? It, keep, it keeps score and it always tells the truth and you'll know it. You'll know when you get in a room with somebody, if they've really got it, if they've really been putting in their reps, you, you can't think about getting in shape and show up <laughs> and be chiseled out of stone. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah. That's, that's what's beautiful, man. So to the right people, they, they know how to weed out the real from the, from the talk, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that if everyone embodies a little bit more of that, then you are what you, you attract what you are. And if you willingly put yourself in more challenging situations, you're going to attract a partner or a business partner to build with because they're going to see it. And if, and when you get together, you're going to be able to navigate those hard times because you're both equipped with your own personal experiences and strategies and tech techniques to, to handle it and share those. And then that's where the co-creation begins. And you know, that's what you're doing with your wife and your family and same over here. Yeah, man. I love that. I love that. Well, let's start to bring this to a close because I, I know we could probably go on and on forever <laughs> about this. I really love where you, where you left it right there. Just the, uh, what we're, which, what's available when we deprioritize some of these other shiny targets mm -hmm. and really start to mm -hmm. think about longevity of connection and mastery of life as that's the mission because it, it could really be anything. And if that's the frame that a man or anyone is holding their life in, it's going to be a pretty good life. It's going to be fulfilling. You're going to come into contact with good people. So Absolutely. Yeah. Um, tell the people what's, what's up in your world, where they can go find you and what you want. Anything yeah. 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 So, so Jetty has been on my podcast. Uh, and so that's on be that 1% Spotify, Apple tunes, um, Apple iTunes. I'm, I'm, I'm there about once a week and uh, we're, we're creating content over there. So if you, if you like this kind of conversation, this type of vibe, um, you can definitely find me there. Also Instagram, James underscore Silvis. And um, I'm, that's probably the platform I'm most on is Instagram. So would love to connect with all of you and answer any questions or just offer any support if needed. But uh, thank you for your ears today. And, and don't let this conversation go in one ear out the other. Right. Be intentional. Like you're here listening to this conversation for a reason. You've been in Jetty just network for a reason, right? That these things don't just happen. You, you've attracted this in some way. You've chosen this in some way. And so thank you for, for being here. Thank you for being the leader of your communities, of your families, of your companies. And with our greater leadership comes <laughs> greater responsibility. So let's let's continue to hold that and and be strong and be be supportive. Beautiful, man. Well, thank you for the closing words. And hey, let's not let two and a half years go by before we do this again. Yeah? <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right, man. Good luck out there. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed everything you heard here on the podcast today. Make sure you go and follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Big ups to everybody out there. Much love. Thank you for supporting and listening in every week. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.